related to what you talked about, but you, could you paint us a picture of what might happen if municipal governments privatize the water uh, supply and uh, where, where might that lead us to eventually? Uh, well, yeah, that, this is a complex issue. Um, we are seeing increasing uh, privatization of municipal waters and municipal water services, um, drinking water and sewage. Uh, this is a market that uh, there's a lot of very large companies that would very much like to get into this market, especially from the European side. Uh, there's uh, the agreement that's being negotiated right now uh, called the Canada-Europe uh, Trade Agreement, uh, Comprehensive Trade Agreement, uh, CETA. Uh, and one of the main things that the Europeans are asking for is access to uh, municipal water services. Um, so a trend that we has been uh, often happens when we have these large privatizations, uh, when we have these large companies, is we see an increase in cost of water being provided to our communities, uh, and, uh, and in other instances we see a decline in the quality of service. I'm not saying that that absolutely will happen, but I'm saying that is a trend that has been documented. Um, so it's a major concern. Uh, another element is uh, what happens if these companies aren't living up to their ex uh, the government's expectations, to the people's expectations, and we want them to leave. Well, under NAFTA, a similar kind of example happened where these companies had control of the water allocation rights. In, uh, in Newfoundland, there was the uh, Abitibi-Bowater uh, situation where uh, these companies had a commitment to provide a certain amount of jobs through... Uh, uh, operating mills and various kind of industries, and then they shut those industries down because they were no longer profitable. Well, the government said, okay, well, we're going to take those water allocations that you guys own to do that work. We're going to take that back. Uh, but what happened is uh, Abertibi Bowater challenged that under NAFTA, and uh, then the, the Canadian government was then forced to pay $130 million to Abertibi Bowater. So that's $130 million dollars of Canadian taxpayers' money um, taken from the taxpayer and given to this private corporation because they had the control of that allocation. Um, so that's definitely a potential kind of, that type of situation could be drawn out of this kind of control of private water uh, through uh, private water, or water through private municipal or municipal companies. Um, that type of ownership of these like large allocations. Uh, so these types of concerns, by privatizing water, uh, you open it up to the uh, to multinationals, uh, to large corporations that can kind of corner the market, can can raise the rates, can kind of do what they like, and it's it's difficult to follow up on these companies um, to uh, make sure that they are living up to the expectations. It's not impossible, but it's it's challenging. Um, so there's more to, if you want to look into that kind of, uh, the background of that, uh, the Council of Canadians has a lot of uh, great information uh, on uh, the issues of municipal privatization, of uh, water privatization. Um, it is an element, uh, it is connected to the Alberta water market, uh, and the Alberta water market will be opening a door to the further kind of process, uh, but it's a, it's a really complicated issue, and I would encourage everyone to kind of read up on it um, 
because I'm not claiming to be an absolute expert on that topic uh, because it is so comprehensive. So uh, I hope that answered most of your question. But again, there are, there's elements there that you can uh, probably look into yourself and would, would be definitely worth looking into. I don't know if Lethbridge is kind of going in that direction right now, but it is an important issue and needs to be understood. It can't be just, it shouldn't just be jumped into. So with that said, um, next question, please. Hi, uh, my name is Mark Sandylands. Uh, very interesting presentation. Uh, my question is, uh, are, are we at risk for a uh, court challenge because of the uh, fact that the uh, uh, water management system the province has brought in has ignored treaty rights of First Nations? Uh, absolutely. That's a huge issue right now and, and uh, currently unresolved. Um, treaty rights imply a certain right to a healthy ecosystem and therefore a current uh, uh, amount of water to maintain that healthy ecosystem uh, and as well as just the control of a certain amount of water. But that issue has been avoided and uh, skirted by both the federal and the provincial government up to this point. Uh, and there's the potential that within, um, uh, if the water was privatized as is with the current allocations, that water that belongs to the indigenous groups would be put on that market when it actually shouldn't be under control of the people who currently own it. It should be controlled by the indigenous groups. So we could be selling someone else's water in a system. So there is the potential um, and for uh, a court challenge under that. Again, this is a very complex complex issue. Uh, it involves treaty rights. It involves uh, current municipalities and development and uh, government, both federal, provincial, municipal. Um, so again, this is, an, this is an, not an issue that's well understood, that has been really developed, that has, and it doesn't appear that the government has really looked into this as a potential outcome and a potential issue either. So we need to, we need to sit down and kind of really think about that and then as, as the potential and the potential outcomes that could develop with that situation. Um, so it, again, that is a major concern. I, thank you for bringing that up. Hi, my name is James Moore. Uh, I stood up quickly because I heard you say that the Canadian government was forced to pay Abitibi. I would challenge that. I would would have myself said that Stephen Harper was delighted to capitulate to Abitibi. Because he didn't challenge it at all. And there's a number of challenges for that. One being that Newfoundland was an independent country when they made that deal. Second, you know, the same provincial rights that Alberta is busy with also uh, it belonged to Newfoundland now. He, there was no challenge at all. And remember when the softwood lumber thing, the, the Americans lost every challenge and kept challenging until Harbor capitulated on that one. So I think that's a, a really significant point, and, and we, we want to look at, uh, you know, the action, I guess, would you agree then with my change of phrase, delighted to capitulate rather than forced to pay, and then Mr. Harper would, again, be delighted with this agenda on the Alberta government's part, because it goes exactly where he wants to take the nation and where they want to take the province. Uh, well, again, you know, it does appear that the Harper government is very much behind including water in uh, CETA, uh, that they haven't 
been taken a strong national position on protecting our industries. But uh, so, you know, I, I do think the federal government currently supports the proposed water market. They haven't, as far to my knowledge, taken a declared position as of yet, but I believe tacitly they are supporting it. Um, but, uh, and I do think that under NAFTA and under CETA, water would become a very, very uh, important uh, topic uh, or what they would like to see as a commodity. Um, so I, I'm concerned about that because of the issues you brought up, the, uh, the free or the, uh, soft lumber as well as the Abitibi uh, Bowwater uh, challenge and their, their failure to kind of meet that. So I think, yeah, there's, a, there's again, major reasons to be concerned. hope that answers your question. Um, and next, please. Yeah, thank you. Uh, my name is Joseph Natuk. Um, you were talking uh, the allocation and distribution and privatization of that. What about the actual value of the resource itself? Have you got any data that can, you can maybe throw at us or give us some information regarding how much is a cubic meter water going to cost or should it cost? Because, you, you, you know, it's confusing the way it's been presented, in my opinion, because you talk about charging privatization, but what about the actual resource itself, the water, the H2O? Uh, well, you're asking me to, to basically give it a, a value, an economic value, um, which is something that we're trying to, as the Our Water is Not for Sale network, to say that's not how we should be thinking of water. Uh, we need to be thinking about water as being uh, an essential resource for uh, our communities, uh, for our environment, and for the health. Now, there's one, that's one way of, of evaluating it through an economic uh, number. Uh, what I can tell you is Australia, which did develop a water market, is now paying over $5 billion to buy water rights back to maintain the health of their uh, the Murray-Darlin water uh, river system uh, because they allowed – and. The, the prices in Australia went from being increased by over two th around 2,000 um, percent over the last no, uh, number of years, 10 years or so. Um, so it, if we did put a price on it, that price will increase. It will become more and more unaffordable by uh, municipalities, by the uh, people who are concerned about the for people who are concerned about the environment for small farmers. Uh, so I hope that answers your question. I, again, you're asking me to put a, if a dollar figure. I, I, I don't have an answer for that one right now. Um, and so I'm, I'm yeah, I, I think it is a concern and it's an issue, but, uh, that's what we're trying to avoid is putting that dollar figure on that. Uh, Mr. Chair, just, to, just, to, uh, just to answer his question. No, I'm actually interested in what impacts that would have positive impacts especially conservation. If you start putting a value on it, people have become very conscious of how much they spend. Like when I drive a car, I know I'm not going to drive. I can walk and cut back the amount of consumption. So that's just another thought process. Uh, well, uh, again, what you're going to do is you're going to encourage water to go to those industries that uh, can, can buy it. And so you're going to say that if, you know, a large... Uh, oil and gas company can buy those uh, water licenses, they're going to. Um, you, you, there's alternative methods to controlling water uh, consumption levels. We can do it through policy. We can do it through education. Uh, we can do it through 
a range of different alternatives that uh, the market is not necessary and the, it doesn't have the negative effects that a market does, which I've already talked about. So um, the, the people who are going to stand to benefit from the proposed market are the people who I talked about, who are the people who got the library book before everyone else did, who were standing in line before. So uh, I, I, I don't. I think there's a few who stand to benefit when the majority of society is going to be standing on the other side, waiting, to, having to buy that book. And that that is the issue. That is the fundamentally flaw with the market system. And uh, water is not a regular commodity. We all need water. Uh, yes, we consume too much water, and we do need to look about ways of being more efficient and more responsible with our water. We need to look at where we prioritize our water for. But simply through an, uh, a market mechanism, giving the advantage to that few and excluding the many is not a solution. Bev Mundell-Atherstone, thank you very much for your talk. Uh, I've been quite involved as an advocate for the healthcare system, watching, the, watching what the Alberta government has done to ensure that it is privatized. Um, and not allowing consultation that was a real democratic consultation. So it strikes me that there are some very strong parallels between what is happening with the water here and what happened, what is happening also with the healthcare system when you talked about the non-consultative consultation process. Okay, so with that in mind, I'd like to know, you had a slide that mentioned what we can do. What can we actually do um, because this is such a huge issue, people people should be involved. And I see that this is, you know, this is mainly the people who are here are mainly the, you know, the creme de la creme, the people who are very interested in all issues. But we need for everyone to be involved. So please let us know what your suggestions are for changing this. Well, right now there's a lot of things you need to do. And the first you've done. Uh, you the slide, I think. Okay. Um, so. <laughs> One thing I could first ask you to do is uh, sign our open letter. There's copies of it outside. We're collecting that letter. We currently have over a thousand signatures saying that water markets are inappropriate and not the way to go forward. Um, so we're, we're, what we're trying to do is collect, make that, get that social momentum, get that critical mass, and um, say like, no, this is a bad idea, and we need to stop and like look at all the alternative solutions and uh, really think about this. So one thing you can do is sign that letter. You could take copies you, uh, and get your friends to sign it, and then send it into us. Um, you can uh, access it on our website. Again, that letter uh, we feel is, is is right now our main vehicle of collecting that social support opposing this proposal. Um, so definitely that is really important. Uh, another thing that you're doing right now is you're educating and empowering yourselves. You're getting more knowledge. I'm not the, um, the absolute source on this, uh, the absolute expert on this. There's lots of great stuff on our website. There's lots of primary resources to go check out. Um, so please continue to like read, read up on this issue, um, learn about this issue. But also with that knowledge, talk to people, spread the word. Um, you know, if you're interested, talk to your friends about this. Talk to your your alderman. Um, talk to your uh, your your MLA. We're at a really important time right now, uh, facing a potential uh, provincial election. So, talk to your candidates. Find out where do they stand on this issue. And you know, if they take a position that you don't feel is appropriate, then say, "Well, I can't vote for you because this I don't agree with this position." Um, so, this is a really important time. Um, 
the, there's, there's room to shake the PCs on this. Um, they're, they've backed off right now. Uh, or at least they haven't declared that, that they're going forward at this moment. So it's an important time to bring this voice forward, to, to raise these questions, and to say, or to say that you disagree. Um, so continuing to kind of get that word out uh, is, is key. Also, um, so talk to your friends, talk to your family. Uh, but it, also, if you're interested in doing this presentation or arranging for this or a similar presentation in, in another community, in, uh, potentially maybe in, a, in your church, in, your, in a school, um, you can talk to me. I can um, you contact us uh, at the Our Water's Not For Sale uh, webpage. Um, you, if you want to talk to me directly, I can give you my email. Uh, so continue, continue to engage in this discussion right now. That is, that is the most important thing. And don't let them just kind of slide this issue off to the side and, and pretend it is a non-issue because it doesn't look like anything will happen till the next, after the next election. So we potentially, we have some time to work on this and we need to get active. So continue to educate yourselves, to continue to talk about it, um, sign our open letter, uh, and, I'm, we are working on an action toolkit right now that has further resources that you'll be able to access that will be available on our website. If you sign up for our updates, uh, you'll, we'll let you know when that's available and you'll be able to uh, download it off, off the web. Um, so I think that those are the, the three most important things right now. Uh, continue to educate yourself uh, on this issue. Uh, sign, sign our open letter and sign up on our, on our webpage um, for, for our updates. Um, there's a sign-up list outside. So I think those are the most important things you can do right now. But if you want, also directly contact your MLA. Uh, and again, contact your candidates. Those are really important. And just continue to keep the word. Get the word out there. Those are the most important things. I'm um, sorry. Next question. Thank you very much for your talk. Uh, my name is Deb Jarvie. And I'm just concerned if we don't have a change in government, the three plans on the table all have uh, market in place, or they're looking towards it. And so I'm just wondering if your group has had a look at the draft articles on the law of transboundary aquifers that has been put forth by the International Law Commission to the UN General Assembly, because there is an article in there uh, dealing with the sovereignty of aquifer states that's causing a lot of concern as to uh, what will happen internationally to the ownership of aquifers and what can then happen. Um, I don't know if you've had a, a chance to look at that, but it's a, an issue that seems to be causing a lot of grief for a lot of uh, water lawyers and, and things like that. You know, I, I, that's a really interesting topic, and I'd really love to read that article. I haven't read it yet. Um, what I can say about that uh, groundwater and our water aquifers is another is is a, a really important aspect of this issue and control of, of uh, uh, and protection of those aquifers. Um, currently, we don't have enough understanding and knowledge and scientific data uh, about what our underwater or underground resources of water are. Uh, we are burning through it at a very fast rate. Uh, a lot of People, some some people living on the outskirts of the community here, uh, Lethbridge here, may be on on well water, uh, and there's an increasing problems with uh, well water due to oil and gas development. Um, fracking is a major source of increasing contamination. So this is connected. The, our our protection of our groundwater is key as part of the protection of um, the health of our of our ecosystems and our communities. Uh, and again, is connected to this growing water crisis that we are. We are we are we are we are jumping into without without any mechanisms of protection right now, or serious mechanisms. 
So, yeah, um, next question, please. Well, thanks uh, for your information you provided today. Uh, my name is Dan Knowlton. Uh, back in the uh, olden days, uh, the state of Montana built a, a canal to trans uh, to export water into state down the Milk River. Now, under this uh, slide, you you mentioned fit for or uh, fit what was that? First in time, first in right, fit for. Yeah. Okay. Now, would the state of Montana under NAFTA be entitled to the quantity of water that uh, we're sharing here coming down to St. Mary's? Um, would they be entitled to that being transferred through that irrigation canal into the Milk River? Um, that I, you know, I'm not sure that's going to be probably an issue for international lawyers. Uh, the policy there. Um, so. Unfortunately, I can't claim to be an international lawyer, so uh, I, I, I could see it being a complex issue, but I, I don't have the background to really uh, give an appropriate answer on that right now. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to have to say sorry, and on to the next question, please. My name is Balabura, and actually I'm related or have worked with this uh, water since I came to Canada, starting in 1973 in Brooks. <coughs> That's the year when moratorium was placed on water, further water rights in the irrigation district there, through Irrigation Act. So it's not a new issue. Uh, I think that's when they realized that this is going to be a problem. But what they did after that is another situation. Whether we sell it to oil companies or we sell it to some big development companies, who do you think is going to pay ultimately? So I think this is a very important topic. Now, do you know that the government of Alberta pays all kind of committees they establish? They pay them. They handpick them. They appoint them. Do they pay you, like an uh, organization like yourself or any other organization, to do uh, make people aware of this issue? Uh, the second question is, is Alberta government making public aware of this very, very serious issue? Thank you. Uh, well, the first, I can definitely say no, the government does not support us <laughs> in any way. Um, uh, the second question, um, they are not actively getting the word out substantially, I would argue. Um, there are They are doing it slowly, quietly through um, their arms length institutions. They're, they're consulting with very specific groups and people, um, but they no, there's really been no substantial attempt to kind of get it out to the general public. Um, the consultation um, that have been promised have uh, yet, no dates have, have actually been committed to and have again been pushed off and probably wouldn't be until after the next election. Um, so there isn't, doesn't appear to be a much of an active uh, attempt to kind of generate public discussion on this from the government. Um, so no, basically is the answer. Uh, next question, please. Hi, my name is Dave McGee. I work for Alberta Environment. Hi, Dave. Uh, I sat on all the committees that you mentioned up there, um, and you'll know Lindsay Telfner. Yep. Um, we convened a special meeting for Lindsay Telfner of the Sierra Club as part of the What's Up meeting so that uh, she would have input as well. 
um, she and the other environmental groups that were part of it were unable to come up with a community-based system as an alternative uh, that would provide access to water for everyone in the community. Um, I, I certainly don't have the time to go through all of your presentation, identify all of the misrepresentations and the cherry-picking that you've done on some of those items. But overall, what the system is about right now is identifying how a community is going to exist as a whole community. It's not about whether a water market gives water to some people or some or all of it goes back to the, um, to the river or whether municipalities get all the water for new people to move into the area at the expense of the industries that provide the jobs for the same people. And I would direct you to the 2001 sharing agreement in this community where in a, when we were 40% short, the whole community pulled together using the existing legislation, the existing provisions, and shared water and distributed equitably amongst all of the users. People in, uh, in the city of Lethbridge never even noticed there was a shortage. We do that under the existing system and are trying to work towards a new system where we can be even more all-encompassing than that. Um, but it is something that all of the community does have to participate in make it happen. It's not about one part of the community versus the other. And if you if you would refer to section 35 of the Water Act at some time, uh, you would find that the basis for that statute is not about fit for. The basis of the statute is the minister can reserve all unallocated water and say who gets it. The reason that doesn't happen is communities are unable to come together and to say who gets it for the future without having somewhat of an argument about it very difficult aspect to do. Um, so I, I'd appreciate it if you could explain to this group how you see communities working together so that all parts of the community that use water can <coughs> manage that water in concert together as opposed to picking sites. Uh, well, thanks, Dave. You brought up some uh, good topics to address. Uh, I think, first of all, what we're doing right now in discussing this issue is probably the first step. Going back to the previous question and not having this kind of public debate, I think, is fun, a fundamental flaw. Um, we do need – it is a complex issue, uh, absolutely, and there are a lot of stakeholders or all stakeholders in this system. Uh, so we need to sit down as a group and decide what are our social priorities as a society. Uh, we do need a new system, and I think uh, Dave says that had did bring up an example where the current regulations were successful at addressing the uh, the water deficit that happened uh, in 2001. Um, so there are some elements to the existing rules that are positive. So we need to take those and incorporate those into our new system. But what we're saying is the market system has these alternative flaws that exacerbate the problem. So we need to work with Alberta Environment. Uh, we need to work with all these different groups, uh, the farmers, the municipalities, uh, the environment, the uh, indigenous groups, and we need to develop a, a system because you're right, we don't have an absolute answer to this problem right now. So what we've done is we've identified a problem. So now are we gonna work together to fix that problem is the question. Um, with, with, that, we're have, with that, we're going to have to wrap things up. And I'd like to thank Kevin for an excellent presentation. We'll see you next week.